my chips cashed in and keep trucking like the dude up there together or a lesson life just keep trucking All right, good afternoon. Welcome back to Talk Soups and CEOs. Good to be back with you. This is episode number six. Lots of podcasting this week. I find it comes in chunks. It comes in waves. You know, part of it it has to do with it's easier to do these when I'm in the office, but I do try to do some remotes as we did with um, with Bill Heidenreich from Valley Stream a couple weeks ago. So this is episode six, and um, yeah, we're headed back out on the road. Next week, we're going to be with our friends in the Great White North up at ERDI Canada in Whistler. Looking forward to meet meeting some uh, Canadian entrepreneurs, and uh, they call them directors up there. Um, in Canada, a superintendent is someone who takes care of the building and the facilities, and the, the director is the person who runs the school district. Um, but it's a really great group of folks. We're, I, I'm really grateful to, uh, to Michael Lee and the ERDI Canada team that they invite me to be part of their event and of course we return that favor and um and love having them with us everything you know anybody who's come to iei knows knows michael you you've met him um and um you know those of you who have not come yet you will you will meet him when we next see you but you know uh here in the here in the office for the week it's been a good time for kind of reflecting on some of the discussions we've had i shared in the last one about um the discussion we had at a superintendent conference about what what we hope iei will become uh, with with Steve Murley today, we get into some of the nuts and bolts of the purchasing, not purchasing, of the sort of vetting process in his district for a tool or a solution that is new that um, hasn't been implemented before. And, you know, I think Iowa City has been really a great district partner for um, for companies that are growing and, and um, wanting to get feedback along the way. And they have a really kind of a good process of kind of exploring things. And Steve has been in this job in Iowa City for 10 years. And, you know, there are many reasons for that. But one of them is that he um, has been a consensus builder and he um, he leads through um, through through building support for things or, or not. But, you know, letting letting the people uh, he's not one of these superintendents who says, this is how we're going to be teaching math from now on because, you know, he, he's the first to admit he hasn't been teaching in a while and he wants the people in the classroom to be part of that decision-making process. So I think you'll hear him describe what what is in many ways an ideal uh, combination of a grassroots teacher-led adoption uh, effort as well as, you know, top-down leadership sort of helping support that work and the two kind of meeting in the middle. So hope you enjoy the conversation with Steve um, and hope you are enjoying the podcast. This is episode six. If you like what we're doing on Talk Soups and CEOs, you can subscribe either through Anchor or through uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or, or wherever you get your podcasts and pop us in to the earbuds if you're on a subway or um, into your through your car speakers and, and take a listen and if you have any ideas for us of course you you want one of the things you want to see us discuss on the podcast or people you want to see us have on feel free to send an email to me i'm doug roberts the ceo founder of iei at doug at institute for ed find us on twitter at iei underscore k12 
Uh, you can find my personal Twitter at Doug Roberts underscore IEI. Um, and thank you very much for listening. Thanks for being part of IEI. And enjoy the conversation with Steve. And we'll be back with you soon. Thank you. Most of the cats that you meet on the street think of true love. Most of the time they're sitting and crying at home. All right, good afternoon. The rain has finally broken here at IEI's home office uh, in the Harborfront Village of Northport, New York on Long Island, and uh, that's a good thing. And really excited to be here today with one of IEI's advisory board superintendents, um, a great longtime educator, Mr. Steve Murley, superintendent of Iowa City Community School District. Steve, how are you? Doing absolutely wonderful today. Great, good. Um, so uh, Hawkeyes didn't look too. I know you're you're a Michigan guy, but uh, Hawkeyes didn't look too good the other day. No, you know, uh, uh, having uh, lived in a couple of Big Ten towns and, and having gone to a couple of Big Ten universities, uh, I spent a lot of time reading Big Ten football. And uh, you can't be here in Iowa City without uh, your daily dose of second guessing of what happened last Saturday. <laughs> Right. Did you, I uh, hope you didn't rub it into any people's faces. No, you know, I, I took a group of uh, administrators uh, up to tour a couple of uh, school districts in Minnesota on Sunday and Monday. We went up Sunday, toured them on Monday. And I did make the mistake when I was getting dressed in my casual clothes on Sunday to put on a uh, Michigan uh, fleece pullover, which I immediately took off. Um, <laughs> good taste to put on a Wisconsin pullover instead, which didn't go over much better with the crew, but uh, right. <laughs> and and you are, let's see, I know you're Michigan by way of Canada. G give me your whole, g t t tell the audience, you know, your whole journey. My, my family's from Newfoundland, uh, out on the east side of Canada. And uh, I was uh, born in that uh, great uh, city, the mistake on the lake, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And I uh, did my undergrad degree at Michigan. I uh, worked in Michigan for a while. My grad work at Wisconsin. I uh, worked in Wisconsin for a while, and then, uh, and then uh, now here I am down in uh, the beautiful uh, Iowa City. Great, good. Um, and talk about your your path to becoming a superintendent. How how did you end up? Um, when when did you decide that education was for you? How did you end up in a leadership role, and uh, what were the sort of stops you had along the way? I'm a career changer, so. I started out my undergrad, undergrad degree is uh, in history, and communications, and then uh, I came out. Uh, I did some work in, uh, in private banking, and then did some economic development work at the county level. I had and, and where was that? And so we're having a little trouble hearing you too. Sorry about that. Um, that was in Michigan. Uh, okay. And um, uh, I had the real good fortune at the time there to. Uh, go back uh, to the alma mater and, and uh, teach a discussion section uh, for intro econ, decided that was way better than my day job, uh, and uh, uh, decided to go back and get a teaching certification, uh, which I, I did, and then I taught uh, AP micro and macro econ. I get a lot of groans out there in the audience for that, but I absolutely loved it, um, and, uh, and some U.S. history, and uh, and, and my, I had a, one of those great advisors that uh, looked at my, 
professional background and told me that I should get a master's in educational administration. Uh, that helped me move up on the salary scale while I was teaching and prep me for whatever was next in my career. So I did that. Uh, and I, after teaching, I, I did uh, as an athletic department administrator, as a building administrator at the middle level. Lots of great stories there. Nothing like new. Uh, and and then uh, moved into uh, an HR uh, position, uh, and uh, then uh, then got called across the hall by our board to uh, take over as uh, superintendent in the middle of the year, uh, and and kind of off to the races there. So I would I would say I was the unintentional superintendent. Yeah. Um, and how long ago was that, that you took the superintendent job? What's that? How long ago did you get the superintendent job? That would have been sixteen years ago. Wow. Yeah. All in Iowa City. No, uh, sorry. Uh, that was in Wisconsin. Uh, I was in Wisconsin for 17 years. Oh, got it. Okay, yeah. Last as superintendent in, uh, in Wausau, Wisconsin, uh, kind of between uh, Green Bay and, and Minneapolis. And uh, then I came down here to Iowa City 10 years ago. 10 years. Well, far outpacing the national average, as you know. Yes. Um, so good for you, and, and, and thanks for all the work. And um, what... Um, what what's what's been what what are the things that you and uh, your board and your administrative team are working on this year? What are the big what are the big goals for the school year? This uh, uh, our community is is absolutely fantastic. Give give you a little bit of context here. So right yeah. across the uh, the headquarters for ACT, um, right across the the Cloverleaf uh, on the uh, uh, IED interchange out there is division. Uh, as you said, we've got the University of Iowa and University of Iowa Healthcare here in town. Uh, so great community, uh, robust, uh, economically vibrant and growing. Uh, we're adding 300 students a year. Uh, we're, we're three years ahead on a 10-year facilities master plan that um, will, uh, when done here next year, have completed $417 million worth of uh, um, facilities, construction, and renovation district uh, and and so we, we spent a lot of time focused on that uh, from an operation standpoint from a, an educational standpoint though uh, contextually Iowa 95% uh, of the adult population in Iowa is Caucasian uh, Iowa City does not look like the state as a whole and our mm -hmm. district is more diverse than our community so um, we're, we're approaching 50-50 we'll probably be a majority minority uh, school district here within the next couple of years Wow. Uh, so one of the things that we have really focused on, we've got a great, uh, what we call the Equity Implemented Partnership with the University of Iowa. Okay. And we have, uh, over the course of the past uh, three, four years now, really been working hard at um, helping our staff and our administrators better understand our student population along multiple different axes of differentiation uh, and, and uh, position them um, to better meet our students' needs, and uh, really proud of that work. Um, our staff has really dug into it. Uh, we're starting to see changes, uh, in particular, as, as we measure um, student perceptions in our surveys, but um, really starting to see uh, a cultural shift in our community of, of hmm. education. Yeah, say, say more about that, that cultural shift. Um, has it been, has everybody been, um, you know, open to the work, excited about the work? Have you had to kind of, you know, make the case for it? 
Well, we've gone fits and starts. Uh, so you know, we started this work way back when I got here, uh, really struggled to get traction uh, in the district. That was as we been kind of on one of those accelerated uh, curves of, of differentiation. Our ELL population has grown 400% in the last mm -hmm. uh, five years. Uh, we're a refugee resettlement community, so we've got uh, tons of kids that come to us from uh, the African continent, Eastern mm -hmm. Europe, Southeast Asia, uh, and uh, I think for a lot of our community, uh, the change was invisible because our housing patterns segregate um, our population. Uh, yeah. And got some buildings that have uh, a 50%, 60% minority population, 80% free and reduced lunch. We've got others that are single digits. Um, and so for a lot of our community members, this was invisible. And to a lot of our staff members, it was invisible. So there were a lot of questions about why do we need to do this. Uh, mm -hmm. Implicit bias training, that can be a, a real metacognitive moment to think about who you are and, and how you approach uh, the world in general. Um, so, you know, we had a little, uh, now it's gotten along that we're really looking at culturally responsive instruction. Uh, and, and we're making sure that when we look at that, it's, it's not just uh, race, it's gender, it's sexual identity, uh, it's uh, uh, status in his, as an English language learner, um, your role in the special ed uh, spectrum. So uh, really helping our, our staff and our, our broader uh, community family um, better understand uh, the needs of our kids and and uh, how we can best meet them where they're at and give them the greatest opportunity to succeed. Yeah, that that's one thing that we found in our discussions on this topic in May um, in Georgia is just that in particular our our rural districts were really wanting us to make sure that we have the equity discussion on all these different planes because um, they see it differently than do their urban counterparts. And, you know, there, there's no doubt that everyone in that room, all those superintendents want every kid to have a, an equitable experience. They want every kid to learn. And, um, you know, it's, it's, but it's, you're, you're putting some people out of a comfort zone when you have this discussion. And, um, you know, I think be curious to stay in touch with you and hear, hear how it all unfolds. It, there Many districts are, really kind of going going to a deep dive on this stuff. Our, our colleague, Dr. Susan Enfield from Highline Washington has been doing this for several years now. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a good thing to see. It's a conversation we weren't having 10 or 15 years ago. And you know, it really takes, takes leadership to, to engage it. One of the things that I'd, I'd uh, tell people about it is um, it can be hard to do that self-reflection piece uh, if if you handle the entire process internally and having um, having the University of Iowa Public Policy Center been a real uh, lesson for us because I'll just give you an example. Uh, so we do a lot of data collection and mm -hmm. we do the data analysis for us. And sometimes that uncovers some things that are really uncomfortable. Um, we've been very upfront. We publish all of that stuff. We talk about it at board meetings. Um, we put the reports out online so that people can see it. Um, that's caused a lot of discomfort on our staff because um, while they may be a small segment of the population, uh, we found that uh, our LGBTQ students uh, really struggle uh, with uh, our educational environment. And, and on the one hand, you'll have people that'll say, 
Now you've got 14,250 kids, and if, if 13,900 of them are having a great experience, why do you spend so much time talking about those 350 kids who are having a right. negative? And, and Which is exactly why you have to talk about the 350 kids, right? Exactly. And, you know, I understand where they're coming from, but, uh, you know, that, that whole idea of marginalization is look at the big numbers and ignore the small numbers. And, and what we've uh, tried to help people understand is that if we create a better uh, learning experience for those kids who through those, those feedback loops are telling us that they're struggling, that really creates a better experience for all kids. So if we can figure out the bathroom issue, if we can figure out the pronoun issue, if we can, if we can get those figured out for the kids who are struggling, then that provides a benefit for the kids who aren't. And that just, that's that rising tide just floating all the boats. All the boats. Um, yep. But it's a struggle because now you start talking about people's personal beliefs and, and uh, your expectations about uh, um, how those intersect with their professional role and, yeah, and I'm curious, is this the kind of thing, that, is this sort of thing discussed at like the Iowa superintendent meetings or um, is Iowa City kind of on its own there in, in, the, in your backyard in having this discussion? We affectionately refer to ourselves as the People's Republic of Johnson County here. <laughs> okay. Really, uh, from a political spectrum uh, standpoint, we're we're over on the left side, kind of off to the edge of the screen there, um, right. which which allows us a lot of freedom to have these conversations. Which, in my opinion, is a wonderful thing. I uh, I would say that uh, probably the place where we're having the, the largest number of discussions about this at the state levels with the Urban Education Network. That's the seven largest schools in the districts in the right. state. We uh, educate about you know, 35 or 40% of the kids between the seven of us. There are about 330 school districts in the state. But the seven of us are, are disproportionately larger than, than the rest of the crew. And, and, uh, and because we've got that uh, urban demographic, uh, we share a lot in common. And so these are, these are conversations that take place um, in particular amongst that group. Not that there aren't others out there that are working on it. But right. Yeah. Um, by the way, quick quick sidebar. Not that we're going to talk politics, but I've always wondered: do do your social studies teachers in Iowa City just go nuts during these primaries? Because you have all. I mean, the entire political world descends on Iowa for for several. I mean, they're there all the time. Is that it? Must be a social studies teacher's dream. And I'm a former social studies teacher. You're the guy who taught U.S. history. I absolutely love it. Uh, um, you can't go to. Some of the, the, I would call them kind of the, the I don't know, the, the hallmark, keystone signature restaurants in town uh, right now without running into candidates while you're there, which is <laughs> weird. You know, you walk into the, the Bluebird Diner or the Hamburg Inn, which are these, these institutional uh, restaurants in town that have been here yeah. forever. And those are the places the candidates feel that they have to go. Um, so here you are, and there, you know, and those are old, older restaurants, small foyers, crowded uh, tables, and you're in there bumping elbows with uh, Bernie or Kamala or Beto or somebody else, and, and not even always realizing that they're in there. Right. Yeah. Have you met anybody that was not not talking policy or politics, but just sort of somebody who, who you know who you met in person who made a sort of lasting impression on you during their tour through Iowa? Oh yeah, John McCain. Uh, was yeah. Uh, uh, and, and actually kind of interesting because I, 
I ran a bit of follow of his campaign because uh, uh, I don't let uh, candidates uh, come into the schools for photo ops. Mm-hmm. They want to come in and talk to kids. I am all over that. Like you said, former social studies teacher. So I always tell them if it's you and one other person, come on in. And yeah, I'm okay with a, a you know maybe a little snapshot here or there, but I'm not interested in my kids being uh, the uh, uh, background. Props. You don't want them to be props. Um, and uh, John McKean's uh, staff gave me some grief about that. Um, and then he found out about that and, and came to one of our high schools by himself. Oh, wow. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. No, like, security or anything? Uh, they were there. Uh, they came in to the yeah. and checked him in, and then sent him out. Wow. Um, that's great. Very cool. Yeah, that's a that's – a, they don't they don't make them like him anymore. That's for sure. That's a that's a great great American right there. Well, that's cool. Um, even broader uh, uh, framework. So uh, we're working right now. Yes, about things that uh, I'm excited about. We're we're developing a climate action plan for our uh, our school district uh, and and uh, working on both the physical and the behavioral modifications for it. We have that in front of the board here in December. But uh, uh, our kids are are really active and. Um, uh, based on uh, some of the, the work that they did, they were actually able to get uh, Greta Thunberg here on Friday. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so I was downtown. Uh, we had about uh, 3,000 uh, kids uh, down on the corner of Clinton and Dubuque uh, while uh, Greta was down there speaking. So uh, that's the joy of being here in, in Iowa City. It, it, uh, even though we're kind of in that uh, flyover country area, uh, we tend to be a magnet, whether it's uh, – uh, local, uh, state, or national, uh, or international politics, we get a little bit of all of it here. Yeah, that's great. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk a little kind of process, you know, how you guys, um, you know, you're, you're, like you said, you're sort of a crossroads district, um, particularly within the state of Iowa. I've known you for several years, and I've always appreciated how willing you and your team are to take opportunities to explore new ideas. Um, you, you're never afraid of something that's, that's new and maybe a little different. And, you know, I mean, shoot, it doesn't, it, it costs you a little bit of time to have a meeting, but you don't have to um, make any commitments. You can treat it as a learning opportunity. I've always appreciated the spirit with which you and your team um, approach those discussions. But can you talk us through how, when you look at a new solution, let's think about, you know, largely, providers who are, who are younger, not in age, but are, are newer at providing solutions to school districts, um, startups, earlier stage organizations. What's your process for vetting something that is new but promising, and how do you work it through um, uh, the discussions within the district? Sure. So there's a, there's a, a I guess what you call it, an old Chinese aphorism that you can't push a piece of string. You can only pull it. Mm-hmm. And I share that because uh, one thing I've learned uh, over the decades living in the central office is um, I can tell people to do things. I can tell uh, central office administrators to do things. I can tell my building principals to do things. I can tell my teachers to do things. Um, but I, through that telling, I rarely get the fidelity of implementation that I believe is required to make something truly successful in the classroom. So 
one of the things that, that I've learned is that it's really important for me uh, when I'm looking at, especially those, uh, as, as you describe them, those new to the market ideas, it's really important for me to get those in the hands of the people who will use them. Uh, teachers, building administrators, depending on, on what the tool is, um, whether it's classroom or administration or, or, or uh, what the intended uh, uh, target is there. Oops, I'm sorry. Both. That's all right. Uh, but, because, uh, um, you know, our phones never stop ringing. This is a superintendent podcast. Phones ring. It happens. But uh, um, I try to get uh, the folks that I think are going to be uh, the end users involved as soon as possible uh, and, and really pair them with um, whoever that, that provider is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's the right button. Um, but try to get them uh, connected as soon as possible because uh, they're the ones that, um, in the end, uh, are going to make it sing, and and um, they're going to be the ones that are going to provide the best critical friend feedback uh, to to whoever that uh, uh, partner is, uh, and are also likely to be able to ask the key implementation questions that that speed or accelerate uh, the growth of of whatever it is. So. Uh, you know, without using a name, I'll just use an example. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a tech startup. Uh, they were getting connected through the, the Google suite, the G suite, mm -hmm. uh, getting into some classrooms uh, and, and came to us uh, and said, hey, we got the, you know, the newest, uh, brightest, uh, coolest product. And I looked at it and said, well, as somebody who hasn't taught in over two decades, it looks cool to me but I'm not the one who's actually in the classroom with the teachers. Let me get you some teachers that you can talk to and show this to them, and let's see what they have to say. But this did come through, the, through sort of a grassroots, through a, a, a teacher-led uh, teacher inquiry? No, this actually came to him because I happen to know the two people who were involved in the startup. And, and oh, I see. <laughs> got directly to me and said, look at this cool whiz-bang thing I've got. Yeah. And so then I said, well, hey, why don't you come to the district and I will give you some leaders, you know, because you got leaders and laggards in every organization. Let me give yep. you some souls who uh, will try just about anything. I think they'd jump out of a plane if I said that it was an opportunity for them. Yeah. Uh, so I brought them in and said, hey, uh, you know, here's these, these uh, neat people that I know, and this is the work they're doing. Um, neat people, here's these teachers, and this is the cool, innovative stuff they're doing in the classroom. I think this might be a good marriage. Go forth and discuss. And I left. And I right. left them. And, and, well, they'll come uh, to you if they, if they want money, right? Yeah. And five years later, they are embedded in uh, our G Suite um, and and – you know, we are a subscriber, right? So, uh, yeah. customer. Um, but I, uh, I told him, I said, we'll start based on the number of believers we have, and then we'll expand our contract with you uh, as as the demand in the district grows, which they thought was a great idea. And now it's it's uh, uh, their their plug in, or I would. I'm describing that wrong, but their their component of the G Suite's available to um, all teachers, grade seven to twelve, um, five Great. years later. So I guess what I would what I would point out about that about that story um, <clears throat> is that there's a 
there's there's a two pronged approach. There's let let teachers try it out, but then you also want to engage leadership. And I think that that you know in in my travels, the various events that I go to throughout the year, sometimes you hear a message, um, particularly from the sort of private equity investor side of the, of of the work. You hear the message that you know districts are really hard to work with. Um, they're bad at making decisions. So just, you know, give it away for free to all the teachers or, or, or sell it to the teachers or, you know, and that's how you build your business. And I think, you know, most of the great superintendents and other educational leaders I know want the grass, you know, they, they want to make sure that teachers or in your case, leader teachers are on board, but they really want the district to be able to consider that and then ultimately if becomes adopted then have you know be able to budget and fund well you, you raised some really good points there a couple of things to, to really highlight with that is um, i tend to pair those uh um, front-running uh, teachers uh, with front-running principals so that i i we're going to accelerate implementation of any one of these platforms by both figuring out um, how to make it work inside the system but then kind of how do you proselytize it as the next step? And so I need principals to have a high level of awareness of uh, these kind of beta runs that we're doing um, because they have a far better idea about um, who's the next wave. So, you know, if, if this is in Doug's classroom and he's using it and, and getting mm -hmm. great results about it, then I need the principal to be able to step up and say, okay, I know that the next person that needs to do this is Steve. So I need to get this in his classroom next uh, because otherwise that flywheel just doesn't start spinning. Um, and so you're right. It, it, I need, and then I, I need, uh, I need people in my curriculum instruction department to be fully dialed in on it so that when they hear that this is going on out in the building, um, they can look at it and say, wow, this is working great at this junior high. I need to get it to that junior high next. So, you're right. It's a whole ecosystem process. And yeah, like I said, the, the time I know it doesn't work is when I, I just uh, take it from the top down and kind of stuff it into the system. Yeah, absolutely. Do you keep a little, uh, a little bit of room in your budgets for new things for pilots? Is that something that you actively do or try to do? Yeah, we do. Right now we're struggling. Uh, we had to cut uh, five and a half million bucks out of our budget this last year. And so unlike... Right. Uh, and uh, the last nine years that I was here, um, it's been a little bit harder this year uh, just because we were literally squeezing every uh, dime we could out of the yeah. uh, last year to balance our budget. Uh, the nice thing for us is we're a growing district. We'll get our 300 new kids this year. We're a per-pupil-funded state. Um, so I had told the board three or four years ago that this last year was going to be a tough year for us, and it, it sure turned out to be. Uh, but we knew it going in, and so we were planning for it. And and so, you know, even in a tough year like that, yeah, we still got some space. Yeah, and when you're when you're in some place for ten years, you see you see the cycles, right? Um, yeah, you can see it coming. You know, the, the wave's going to break, and, and uh, so it's not yeah. a surprise. The board wasn't surprised. Our union wasn't surprised. I mean. I don't know. We did we did five and a half million dollars worth of budget reductions, and nobody showed up at a board meeting. Wow. Well, that's. I guess that's good. Um, that means that you know they come when they're not happy. So um, that's good. Good for you. Good. Good luck with it this year. And um, yeah, just uh, appreciate you talking through your.
process and how you how you all work there. And yeah, we work with so many innovative companies. Some some of whom are well established, but some of whom are, are brand new. And um, yeah, that's sort of what what IEI is about is about sort of leveling the playing field. So each of those each of those organizations has as much opportunity as anyone else to talk about what they do and and engage with innovative district leaders and get get feedback and and build relationships. And so, um, you know, it's always great to have <coughs> our members, especially people like, like you, Steve, on our advisory board, who, who really kind of live that and really, um, engage with our, with our folks and explore how they can help their kids. Um, so kind of, um, we're, we're going to get to our, our little, um, our, our little segment on morning routines here in a second, because I'm always curious about that, but you know, you've, you've been, you've been in this district for 10 years, you're going to leave a mark on it one way or another. Um, I'm just curious what, uh, what's, what's the thing if, and when you ever do decide to, to move on, uh, from Iowa city, what, what do you think will be, um, the thing they say that Mr. Murley did for Iowa city community schools or what are the thing, what's the thing that you're most proud of that you hope they'll say, you know, Mr. Murley did X, Y, Z for our district. I think uh, if you're if you're a community member and you're outside the organization, maybe you do or don't have kids in the district. Uh, I think that uh, the, the visible thing is our facilities work. Uh, we were a district that had not done uh, uh, any significant facilities work because it would have required us to make all of our buildings ADA compliant, and they, they just didn't have a plan to do it when I got here. Um, so if, if you're, if you're on the outside looking in and all you do is drive around town and your perception of schools is, is what you see, um, you know, 400 and 400 plus million dollars worth of uh, new construction and renovation is, is super visible. Um, and that's great. But, uh, I, I always use the analogy of a house and a home, you know, a house is just a building, a home mm -hmm. inside there. Um, mm -hmm. so if you're part of the family and you live inside the district, you get kids in the district or teach or your sports staff person here, uh, you know, from that legacy standpoint, um, I, I hope what uh, people remember is um, the work that we did to, uh, to uh, significantly uh, uh, enhance the, the learning experience uh, in the classroom. And that comes from um, hiring, you know, we hire about 100 new teachers a year. So uh, we've got about 1200 teachers in the district. And even though you've had some people that have turned over, you think about that. About half the teachers that, that work here um, were hired while I was here. Mm -hmm. About three core administrators that work here were hired while I was here. I, our, our, we're a people business, and, and, uh, and I'm so proud of the, the administrators and the, the teachers um, that we've hired to, to work with our kids, uh, and the quality that they bring to the classroom. Uh, and, and then uh, I, I guess the other thing that uh, I think we've really made a difference in, in the last decade and circle right back to the beginning there is, is recognizing that uh, our schools need to work for every single kid that walks through the door. Mm -hmm. That looks a little different for every kid. Um, and it's okay to do that. And, and I think that uh, our staff have come uh, a long way towards being better able to meet uh, individual student needs, personalized learning, uh, and really make sure that, that every child who leaves the district is ready for whatever comes next, whether that's post-secondary education, career, being a community member. Um, I really think that, uh, that uh, it, it's tough to find a better place um, to raise a kid. I've had two kids graduate uh, from the district here, and, and I, I think that uh, 
haven't had a chance to watch that every night at the dinner table. Yeah. Um, really attributable to the people inside the system. Well, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm sure the people inside the system would say that the leader has something to do with it too, but um, you know, it's been uh, it's, it's great to see when a district, you know, I mean, it's, I hate to keep bringing it back to sports, but I am a sports fan. Um, and my New York giants are going to get their behinds pummeled tonight by, uh, by the Patriots. The Patriots are so good because the leadership has been intact and they're able to, they're able to, to implement their ideas over and over again and build a culture. Um, it's one of the reasons they're so good. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's great. It's great to see when, when somebody that we know and, and our friends with is able to, um, to really sit and, and do the work for several years. So, um, cause on the flip side, um, this past summer was one of the first times where we saw a couple of our, of our members, you know, sort of suddenly not be in their jobs anymore. And I have to admit that was, that was difficult to watch, uh, you know, because we're a membership organization. We get to know each other. We work together. Um, we have relationships and everybody's going to land on their feet. It's just, uh, it's hard to watch people whose work you respect, um, you know, go through that, that turnover machine that seems to happen to so many of you. It's why, it's why I always tell people, I think superintendent of school is one of the hardest jobs in America because you have to be a public figure while also being a CEO of a multi-million or in some cases billion dollar enterprise and, um, you know, and, and get to, you know, volleyball games and choir concerts and all that kind of stuff. So hats off. And we've always been grateful to you for, for your help uh, as an advisor to our group. And I think you helped make us better. In fact, we're, I, we got to have a meeting soon to talk about the Palm Springs program, mm -hmm. um, which is taking shape. And we're talking about safety and security and, um, I'm sure you've, you're going to have some perspectives to bring in, in particular, the, the safety security, um, workshops, it, it, it could be, could we're, we, cause we've got some member districts, you know, you can probably think of who I'm talking about. Some of our member districts are having discussions about, should we be arming teachers or not? Mm -hmm. Um, others are having a discussion about, we need to do better on mental health and, you know, it's not about weapons and then other people are kind of in between. So we're looking forward to that, to that program. And um, as you know, we meet January 20th to 23rd in Palm Springs. Um, any superintendents who are hearing us, who are interested in learning more about us, please, uh, you know, you can find, you can email us at uh, info at instituteforedinnovation.com. And if you're a um, potential corporate partner, you're interested in learning more about working with us and, and getting to know uh, build relationships with people like Steve and, and our other great innovative superintendents. You can also email that email address. You, everybody can find us on at or at 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 IEI underscore K twelve, um, and we're at www.instituteforedinnovation.com. So um, our our final little segment. I'm always uh, whenever we're all at a conference, whether it's our conference or double ASA or whatever, I'm always impre impressed slash um, shamed by how good all of my superintendent colleagues are about getting their workouts in, in your morning routines. And um, it's interesting. I went to the AXA, which is the California association and AASA joint uh, women in school leadership conference. And there, cause it was, you know, 95% women at the conference, there was like a group yoga thing, which I did not go to, but, um, <laughs> but it's, it's interesting that that was like built into the program. I just generally find that, 
you all are, are successful at running these enterprises in part. And I, I believe that it's because you all have, um, you know, rigor around how you start your day. So how does Mr. Steve Murley, superintendent of Iowa City Community School District, start a typical day? Well, let me back up and tell you that if we don't start our day strong, that uh, we, uh, uh, we're never going to uh, get uh, that seen because um, we, uh, I, our, the end of our day, once we start our day, everything goes off the rails. So yeah. the only time that you actually have control over your life uh, is up until about 6.30 in the morning. So right. the routine is it's the only uh, level of consistency that you have in your life uh, as a superintendent. So yep. that's why you see all of us busy in the morning because it's the small portion of our life that we have control over. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, uh, I got uh, uh, the... A 12-year-old companion. I've got a, a yellow lab who uh, is uh, ready for uh, his morning walk as soon as my alarm goes off. So um, Pavlov can teach dogs to do We've been able to teach my dog to stand up and pull at morning when the alarm goes off. Uh, so uh, I'm desperately awaiting uh, daylight savings time here because it's pitch black. In the Same. Um, so I get to I get to get up and and um, I, I walk the dog, and I, I think I do some of my best thinking in the quiet of the morning while I'm walking out there. I used to have a CFO who would um, carry me about uh, how the dog walk went because that uh, sometimes depends on how much new work he had. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then I have an old-school torture machine. Uh, I have a, a Stairmaster uh, from the late 90s. Nice. Uh, but, uh, uh, my wife used to think it was some kind of Nancy workout until I uh, <laughs> It, and then she thought it was um, something out of the uh, uh, Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. And get on that thing uh, every morning and listen to the news and try to get my heart rate up and uh, maybe work on this midsection a little bit, which would look too good if you could actually see me right now. But, uh, I, and, uh, uh, and then I'm off to the races. So uh, for me, it's the best way to get my day started. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, the the dog walk is is key and yeah daylight savings is it, it does change everything it gets, starts getting colder but at least we got more daylight in the morning so actually i rode to a beach this morning on my bike i've, I've been on the road so much i haven't been able to i've been going to the gym um and better about that this fall so i've had my healthiest fall in the last couple of years so that's good but um yeah i haven't been able to get out. i really like getting outside and so i got to ride I, I posted it on twitter on my doug roberts underscore iei i posted the pictures i mean if we had a nor'easter blow through here and it looked like i mean it looked like you know dead of winter you know howling winds down there so it was a pretty good 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 start to the day for me today the good thing for me is uh we switched our uh, high school start time so our high school kids don't start till about nine o'clock um which if you have high school kids in your house is awesome because they will sleep until the last possible minute before yeah <laughs> but, uh, i don't have anyone uh, fighting me for bathroom space or kitchen space or anything else and i'm not racing anybody out of the driveway in the morning uh because 99 of the time he's still in bed when i leave the house so. right <laughs> that's great uh when does he graduate uh he'll be done this may that's great congratulations all right um well good steve thanks for being on with us thanks for being on talk soups and ceos and uh everybody knows how to find us but you know we're we're now uh we're almost to this will be uh, this will be the sixth episode. So getting close to that 10 episode threshold where I think we're a real podcast and 
this is one of the first ones where I figured out how to not have any beeps and boops during it uh, from my phone or whatever. So That's all getting good. better. And, um, you know, if you, if you like what we're talking about here, please tell your friends, tell, um, tell others, you know, others in the business or not um, to subscribe, whether it's on, you know, we publish on Anchor, but you can subscribe to us on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your, your podcasts. I, I have a Sonos in my house. I can actually listen I don't, but I can listen to myself on the podcast on my Sonos if I so choose, but I choose to listen to other podcasts. So, um, thanks everybody. Thank you, Steve. And we will be back at you soon.